All right, you guys ready? Um, let me turn this. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Mike Novogratz on a special edition of Next with Novo with one of my favorite artists, Urs Fisher. Um, this is pretty exciting. It came up quick, partly because Urs has got an NFT project uh, that's going to kind of blast onto the space really soon. Uh, but before I even get to NFTs, Urs, uh, first, welcome. Uh, and I want to you know, I started this podcast because I thought I had this unique uh, privilege of meeting so many interesting people. And I wanted to kind of share those people, share those experiences with my audience. And so let's start about who you are, born in Switzerland and why you became an artist, how you became an artist. I just want to give people a little context of who you are. Okay. So I'm, I was born a longer time ago in Switzerland. Um, and Switzerland is a strange place. Things are very orderly, you know. So if you are a, a kid there and, and you like to do, create a little mess here and there, um, you got to find a way to do it. And I think that's what I still think art making is, you know. So you you rearrange the universe a little bit in an order that you like to see it in. Um, <clears throat> so you have a sense of control. So I started when I, I don't know when I really became an artist or if I still believe in that word as a, that you are one thing, you know, it's just, a, it's more a way of thinking and the way of interacting with the world. I probably started when I was 14, 15 to find, um, you know, a kind of an interest in many fields like first photography and then you know building things doing things just interacting basically and that led me down a path um you know encountering my first uh, laptop that i bought when i was um, 17. it was like i think in 92 some apple laptop that was very clunky and you know and uh, saved a lot of money to get that. And then there were the tax programs on there and, you know, no drawing programs. But because I was not really a writer, I started to use all these frames and the letters to kind of make uh, drawings as I would do when I find a pen or whatever I do. It's the same, it's basically the same kind of interacting. So, and from then on, I just, you know, went out in the world, met people and, and do things, you know. Well, it's interesting of, of all the artists, well, there, I've looked at lots of different art and there are very few that work in as many different mediums as you do from giant clay sculptures to digital stuff. You were, you were in digital art way before a lot of established artists were, right? There are not that many Gagosian, you know, stable artists that were doing digital stuff, partly because easy to counterfeit. How do you, how do you prove provenance? Lots of different reasons. And so it's, it's, intuitive to me why you're moving into the NFT space earlier. But talk before you get there a little bit about how you make everything your canvas or your, your materials. Well, you know, it's, I, I, I believe, you know, most, most ideas you have or most urges to do something, you find a way, you find the, you find um, how to overcome obstacles to achieve something. So, that's where the, the digital parts came in early for me in, in a way as, as just a tool, like this thing can do something I cannot do otherwise, you know, 
it, I don't see any different, I, or I never realize it's it's different in a way than any other material or any other medium you kind of, that's probably the correct word, that you engage in. So it, you can just, um, you can just use it. And what happened in a lot of art uh, in the classic or contemporary art or whatever, however we frame that, is people use computers at some point and then they eventually print that thing out or like make it a tangible thing, which is not what it was meant to be, you know? And sometimes that works. Like, let's say use that. I did a lot of sculptures where uh, at first I did everything by hand. And then I, uh, about 20 years ago or, or a little less, we started to look into what's possible to scan to scale things up rather than do it by hand and so we scan things and and then you know what can you do with that and then we have to mill it and then bring it back into the real world which makes sense for some projects but other projects they actually live as a digital format and what's interesting to me is that we are in a time mainly after spending pretty much everybody spend a year on in front of their computer or, or whatever tablet and starting to communicate in a on a screen and that's also the time where people over sudden understand that digital medium can be validated and that came to a broader understanding that some people were thinking about this for for many years now i don't know how many years but like and this that this coincides makes a lot of sense to me, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. So, I, you know, I uh, got involved first in Bitcoin in 2012, 2013. And I remember thinking this, what was unique about it was the first digital signature you could counterfeit. And quickly I started thinking, well, at one point people will create art because you can put it on the blockchain and it can't get copied. And, you know, it didn't really happen. I was talking about it in 2013 and 14 and all of a sudden this year, because of COVID, because everyone was stuck in their house, we kind of catapulted into the metaverse. And now we all live a little bit in the metaverse. You know, uh, this is not complete metaverse Zoom, but more and more. And when I talk to young people, 23, 24, 25, they think we're going to live in the metaverse, not just visit it as an amusement park. Uh, and so what's interesting is you're not 25. Uh, you're not as old as me, but you're certainly not Gen Z or millennial. Uh, but you're one of the first guys that are seeing this to say, hey, I'm going to create art that lives lives in this metaverse. Yeah, you can maybe have a screen that the NFT can be on display at your house, but a lot of it's meant to stay in this digital format and maybe live in a digital world with a digital art you know, museum or a digital li library in your house or a man cave. So, so I guess it feels natural for you, much more so than most artists. Yeah, I think it, I mean, you saw there, there are different examples. People um, try to figure out what's possible in within this, this new, you know, this new framework. And there is different ways to go about it. And it, it definitely brings in a whole new set of people that, um, that can just work from home with a computer or what, like, and can, and can reach out, you know, and I think that's, that, part is super interesting that it opens up everything that has been pretty gated. Um, I think in some way, the way I go about it is not that different than I go about it in anything else. I do. Let's say I would make a sculpture out of bronze, very traditional 
sculpture. I would use the medium and I would do it in a way that it would last. So it would need to withstand uh, environmental things like frost, sun, rain, pollution. And if I do it right, this thing will exist for a long time. So it doesn't fall apart. Now, if you think of the same thing as a, in a digital medium, how do you ensure that because there are no there are no physical properties attached to the to the uh, to the work? How do you ensure you do the same thing? So you really got to think about what your data is and how that could be displayed. How you don't exclude things we don't even have a clue about what they will be. I remember, um, I'm sure you know what a telex was. Yeah. I remember I was, I was a little kid and I was brought, uh, my parents, some friend of theirs was a, was a uh, you know, investment person. And they had a room, big machine in a room, giant machine, like bigger than a bathtub. And this machine transmitted messages from New York. And it took 50 minutes later, they got the message and it was like a, just a little typewriter basically that's encased in a huge thing. And it just, had like five sentences and it was chuh, 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 and these messages came in and when you think that was a very small industry and, and not much use for that and i always keep that in my mind what i can do now what my kids do now and how we share information and how cumbersome that thing was and if you think now that everybody uses this this technology i you need to think about all kind of possibilities of how you know, worlds will overlap or separate or coexist and, and to kind of ensure that your work is, can survive in that environment. So it's not the frost, it's not the rain, it's not the snow, it's like the changes in technology. And yeah, if you think, if you really like take it serious and you not just put something out now, I mean, that comes from my experience about repairing a lot of works. When I was a kid, I just glued some stuff together and two years later it falls apart and it comes back to my studio. I'm like, I have to fix that again. I don't want to fix that again. That's boring, you know? So it's kind of the same thing for me. Like we need to apply that. And sure, every data will take on its own form of patina. It will not like peel off like old paint on a house. It will be resolution. It will be motion. It will be, I don't know what it will be, but it will also feel dated and all of that, you can kind of try to encompass like, or, or, or like into the decisions you, you make, you know? So it's interesting, you know, so far, what's worked in the NFT space are digitally native artists uh, that were well known that are being embraced by the, I'd call it the crypto community, right? People that have made their money in Bitcoin and Ethereum and other coins and, and it's kind of their revolution. And we haven't had, you know, no traditional art buyer was bidding $69 million for the people. Yeah. <laughs> those, are two crypt, those are two crypto kids. We know them. They're a great guy, but they were bidding for, you know, with crypto money. Now, money's fungible, right? It's the same. It was $69 million worth of Ethereum, which is now even worth more. Uh, and so I have to say you're really courageous being really the first A-lister. Uh, 
you know, world-class A-lister. I've been trying to buy one of your sculptures, but it's too expensive. <laughs> uh, and so how did you not even think this is a risk? Because a lot of artists I've spoken to said, hey, I want to do this, but I'm a little worried that how am I going to be perceived and maybe I should just wait. Uh, and so I'm giving you lots of credits. If I had a hat and hair, I'd take it off and salute you for being, you know, intrepid and not being scared. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Or is it? I I don't feel that way. I I do feel that the the, the environment I work with, the support system I had um, as an artist in you know through galleries, museums, whatever, all this stuff over the last two decades or more, and that I don't feel a lot of love from them for doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, I can imagine. Because, because I think they don't, you know, some people might just not have spent the time to think it through and to understand all the possibilities and uh, that come with that and the necessities also that we have to, to, to find this, um, these amazing solutions that have been, you know, found to to through the blockchain. Like there are there are amazing solutions that we didn't have before. Like let's say I made some conceptual works that I have then a, a manual that's written on a piece of paper, and that's what we sell. And then they can find that piece of paper. I mean, it, you know, and all these can be resolved. And I think for some artists. I was actually personally a little um, bit um, pissed off at some how some artists try to like from to come from my neck of the woods try to engage in the NFT world because I think they didn't understand what the possibility is so. Um, it just seems seemed a little opportunist, and I think that's kind of it's a shame because I think the strong what will be left of any time is always what what is solid, and the the the, the other things will wash away. And I I think the traditional art world it doesn't matter. They were long due for an overhaul, like the music industry and, and whatever, all, all of it, you know? No, I it's think interesting. it's great. I, I do too. Listen, when we started talking about Bitcoin 2013, I was a traditional finance guy and everyone thought I was crazy. Uh, they were nice to me, but they all thought I was crazy. And, you know, there was a lot of pushback, a lot of pushback, and there was a lot of fear. And with Bitcoin, it's finally gaining acceptance. With the blockchain and finance, it's finally gaining acceptance. I'm optimistic that in the creative side, right, in, in art and in, in collectibles and music, it's gonna happen faster. It's gonna happen faster because we already saw what happened with Bitcoin. It's gonna happen faster because there's forums like Clubhouse and, and Discord and these big forums of education. One of the reasons I'm doing this podcast. Uh, and so I do think you're gonna, you're going to be proven smart, you know, in two years, not 10 years. Uh, so let's talk about your project. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, the first NFT is, is auctioned on, uh, on fair warning, right? This week. Uh, yeah. So maybe fair give, warning us, is give the audience, excuse me, to give the audience, uh, give, give the audience kind of a comprehensive view of 
what this 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 project is um this project is um goes back uh, a longer time it's uh, it's just a manifestation of of um i thought about a lot as a teenager how um it started then that i saw let's say you have one object and you have something else and everybody's when i see uh, the glasses everybody sees something else so i see sure glasses but i also might think of my dad that worried or i might think of uh, my grandmother or whatever you know like you associate different stuff with 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 everything you encounter um and so i i started to think about the two things exist basically within one thing or you know the existence of one object the physical space it takes up in the in the tangible world is also it's not one thing it's also something else and it's something else for everybody because we always bring our story to everything we are basically story people you know more so than anything else we see a story in everything and that's uh, yeah so then it was i started by hand to carve things and try to squish them together <laughs> you know <laughs> and to have this and that looked very clumsy because then i was like how would i do this if something intersects you know like whatever and you had to carve it out and paint it and spackle it and it was kind of clumsy and then i started to work uh, um, with my first uh, scan data from three-dimensional stuff that we um, scanned from real life things and because there are no physical properties uh, in a, in a three-dimensional object when it's digitized, you, it was automatic that these things just intersect. Yeah, that's what it is. They just fit together because they there is nothing there. You know, it's all a story, and so that uh, opened some paths for me. And then I made a, a few sculptures. Maybe you saw that big bear with the that's now yeah. in the Doha airport. So that was two things intersecting, you know. And for that, I used, uh, you know, that's already based on on data that we worked on and so on. And then we kind of milled the whole thing and made it real. But it never, um, this idea never left me and that I could add motion because when we move things, there is motion. So that's one segment of what this project is. It's all objects that can intersect. That's one segment. Another segment is the metamorphosis. So we scan everything in my studio. We scan it, we color map it, and I select all type of different objects. And we are very strange people because uh, we have a lot of artifacts. It almost seems the more uh, things get extinct in, in nature and in real life, the more we invent new things. It almost goes like at the same time. and. If I think how few things I touch in my life that are actually nature, that are not either culture, made, or whatever. So my interactions are very man-made. And objects are kind of a shadow of our existence, or, or like, you know, in terms of like in an anthrop like anthropology looks looks at it this way. It, we have all these things. My two kids, I don't know where they get it. Every day they bring little things in the house. I don't know where they come from. It's a mystery to me. <laughs> But it just fills up, and I have to clean it out. It fills up. So in some way, I, I I'm fascinated by all these objects around. So by scanning it, instead of rebuilding it, so I don't rebuild these objects. I actually scan them, 
and I make the metamorphosis into a digital form. That is not unlike painting. Let's say a painting is something that teaches me how somebody else sees the world. And that is expressed through a medium of paint and the brush and whatnot. And so when I see a painting, it helps me sometimes see something in the real world. I'm like, ah, oh, again, that reminds me of that artist. And somehow you see this thing. So that's the same what happens by digitizing an object. You kind of make it, you can actually see it because it's disconnected from its context. And so in the first part of this work, we have the, the, the whole project involves 1000 things and they are from everyday things to more obscure things to industrial components, just stuff. They involve cultured things like uh, vegetables and whatnot, everything that has been engineered and, and cultured in any possible way. So I tried to find as broad a picture as possible to tell a story. There's older stuff, there's brand new stuff. There are juxtapositions of two elements that come together. In each of the whole thing is, is there are 501 parts to this artwork or this collection of artworks. So, so each, each, each piece has, it's the, it's the egg and the big lighter and then it's something and something. It's a, it's a pairing, exactly. So these pairings, um, I made a render with motion of the, each of these pairings, but logically we put, in, we put in all the raw material to create any other form or any other form of how this could manifest itself. So we share what I made and we share the two objects and a set of rules of how somebody can reinterpret that. Um, so that leaves it open. It's not one or the other. And that is made with the, and the set of rules. So that is, you know, you can use it. I strongly believe the two worlds will unite. The metaverse and the real world will become one. That's what I we have think. that debate off. We have that debate often here. <laughs> and just, I mean, that's maybe a very personalized view. I'm, I'm just, I just see, uh, I just imagine some of these sculptures in 20 years, you open your fridge and you can have that egg next to your eggs because you want to put it there and it moves and you go somewhere and you can have it somewhere in your real world, you know, or you can make yeah, no. it very big, put it in your garden and we can, you can render it and change the motion and you can have it in a light that looks goes with the light of your sunset in your garden. You know, it, it, there is so many ways of how that could be seen. Well, that's so. What's so unique about an NFT and its conceptual view is, I always thought I could buy it out on a gallery and I could pull it off the gallery and put it on my phone and I could go home and I could play it here and I could take it with me like it's my friend and it could it could exist where I want it to exist, but it can't exist anywhere else which is so unique, which gives it its value, right? If I'm taking it from the screen and it's a one of one, it's no longer on the screen, it's on my phone. And I'm taking it from my phone and putting it in my fridge, it's no longer on my phone, it's in the fridge. You know, and so it really becomes it's, your friend in some ways. But it can be both places. I mean, if you think about traditional art, most of it is in storage in crates and people actually just look at it on their phone. They say, oh, this is a painting I have, and you know, and 
I, I've been I've been fighting with big collectors about that. I was like, hey, you got to display them somewhere, public spaces. I don't know. They're, it drives me crazy that some of the great art. I was living with the museum director yet last night, and she was like, yeah, we display about three percent of our art, and I was like, Ur. <laughs> yeah, if you think about it, I think the MoMA in New York has a half a million artworks in their collection. If you think of the island of Manhattan, it's a little over two million people. Um, basically, one in four people could have a piece from the MoMA in their home. I mean, it's pretty, cool. pretty nutty, no? <laughs> yeah, it is nutty. All right, so we're, we're, we're auctioning our first piece this weekend. Um, and then the next 499, how does that play? One a day, one a week. Um, I I think we figure it out. I mean, it's you know, it's all new to me, and I I really don't. Um, I didn't think that much about the distribution model. I was very much immersed in in um, in the making of these things, you know. So I think what what's happening now. I think first we start working with fair warning. Uh, the the the, the the, the one auction of the first one. And then I, I, I believe there is a set of 50 that gets released by Maker's Place over whatever time frame yeah. they decide is, I think that's up to them if I'm correct. And then we, we will um, feel it out also, I just don't know. And, and I, I think there is also the answer. idea to bring, some, to bring some into a traditional gallery to also see how that works, you know? Yep. You know, just feel it out. It's a great attitude because we're so early. Like I was saying earlier, there's lots of companies working on how we should display NFTs, right? Right now, you can't go to Samsung and buy a great NFT display. I've seen some. My daughter sent me a picture in LA. This Korean company has made these giant screens you can display your NFTs on. Um, there are not that many places where I can say, Hey, Urs, meet me in the metaverse at my, my man cave. And we'll go into my man cave and all my, you know, arts on the wall and we can have a coffee. But I've seen the prototypes. Those are all coming. And so I think in one, two, three years, the possibility of how we interact with our digital art, our digital collectibles, our digital music is going to be very, very different than it is today. And so going slow makes, makes a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, and I think it's interesting. I said before, you're, you are brave. A lot of people I know that are artists are saying, I'm going to wait and wait and wait. And so I give you a lot of credit for, for just plunging in and saying, Hey, trusting myself and trusting my art. Uh, do you think you'll still, you found this new medium and it's exciting to you? Uh, right now, are you also doing other stuff? Or is this where your focus yeah, is? Yeah, I mean, I totally, I'm, I don't know yet. I'm, I work on whatever comes in my path. That's what I work on. You know, I'm not, I was, um, that's what I always did. So I couldn't really answer that. Right now I have some projects that are more traditional and I have some that are more digital and there are some things I don't really don't know how to solve. There's a lot of questions I of digital nature I've tried to resolve. Um, I ventured out into robotics for a while. That was disastrous. 
because <laughs> we started to build industrial prototypes, but we had no idea what we do. And then these are free roaming robots and, and, you know, uh, you just kind of got to, got to make a gut decision. If you want to have um, these objects and can go up to 30 miles released around people, uh, is there a glitch? you know what will happen you know so if there's liabilities you kind of got to say i take it i take the gamble i take the risk and so i did that but there are a lot of things i just would need to get much smarter about how they could resolve the way i understand it i don't particularly like the idea of an art world you know i like i like to share and i like people that share and that is definitely really enticing in this situation is that there are no gatekeepers, you know? Yeah, no. So talk and about- that, that gives so much more room to communicate. I did pieces like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw, I did pieces where I had like thousands of people participating in something that worked with clay. So we just say, we give a simple framework. I say, we use this clay and everybody does whatever they want. and and that left like a crazy landscape of people's ideas and some were very ambitious and they made big things and came back every day. And you do that over five, six weeks with maybe two, 3000 people and they all leave their mark in a giant uh, space. And what you're left with is like the naughtiness of, 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 of everything. And so that is also not really a traditional artwork in its sense. It is, you could say it has a certain rigor of how uh, the framework is set up but it's really about communication and about having fun rather than like an object that is done in a masterly way, you know? No, I, I think community involvement uh, is one of the, the big openings that the, the digital NFT space gives. Uh, we've already seen some projects where, you know, people can buy squares of a, a painting and, and you might only get 11 squares of the painting built. And then, and that that becomes the painting, or people can participate. Uh, uh, it would be really interesting to see how this medium changes the engagement around community in art. I was at uh, my house in this. We had a bunch of friends come over. We didn't know them actually for a party. We needed people to make the party more fun, and so we actually brought in party people <laughs> that were friends of friends. And the next morning, everyone was hung over and this girl with crazy hair started doodling. And then she said, now you doodle and gave me the sketch. And it went around the whole table, 12 of us. And by the end, it was a really cool piece of art. And so I, it was the first time I clicked in this idea that you're saying. Uh, so is that part, I mean, that could be part of your plan. You know, well, there is to engage it's even part of of this uh, of this chaos series is to have different there are different ways of how you can interpret it you can always fall back on what i put together but there is as i said earlier you can interpret it any way you want there is a set of guidelines um and then i will bring in different people now already as we release them to um all from all kind of walks of life to interpret my work already as we release them so the whole thing is something that is not like set i want to continuously have fun with it and just let it move you know as they get released and that goes all the way awesome. till 
there is the capstone piece in in a way of of, of the 501 where i um bring where all the 1000 objects detangle from their individual pairing and they will just float around like like a madness you know a madness of of mankind you know awesome do, do your kids get any credit for some of the objects <laughs> uh no but but my daughter uh recently she looked at uh oh yeah no, i take some of their objects but I showed one of these these uh, renderings to my my younger daughter, and she, a day later she took a piece of bread, a bread roll, and she stuck a marker right through it. <laughs> so, <laughs> she, she said, "I can do that too." You know, it was kind of very funny. Well, listen, this has been awesome. I uh, I can't wait for your uh, auction. Fair warning to everybody on my audience: I'm going to be bidding because uh, I think it'd be very cool to at least participate in Urza's first uh, digital auction. Uh, I think it's monumental for the uh, the NFT space. Uh, I you know, I won't stress you know what a what an awesome artist you are to make you blush. But uh, I was talking to one of my friends, Scott Lowen, right beforehand. He was like, "Oh my God, he's my favorite." Uh, just the stuff that you've done, uh, the conceptual stuff you've done over the last you know 15 years is pretty pretty uh, groundbreaking. And so to have you as part of the NFT world, uh, I think every NFT collector uh, from whale shark to who knows is going to be uh, at least looking at this with keen eyes. And so guys stay tuned and Urs, thanks a ton. Really appreciate you coming on and we'll be in touch. I, I still thanks want a giant me. clay. I want a giant clay sculpture. I have a, a sculpture park I'm building. Uh, and there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's room for an Urs Fisher <laughs> monumental clay sculpture. Well, so let, let me know. I'm coming at you. <laughs> Good stuff. Guys. Thanks well. a lot. This has been Next with Novo. I got it. All right, Urs. Listen, you sell your stuff in the in the, the non-digital world or the non-NFT world for millions of times. Now you're going into a whole new world. How do you have any sense of how this is going to get priced? Do you care how price points will be? Doesn't matter. I mean, we start at uh, at the thousand dollars and see. It doesn't matter. I mean, it will just be what it is, you know. That well, I, I, I like. <laughs> I like this because it doesn't have that gatekeeping and and um, and uh, the prizes being made by very few people. It it is a, it is a public arena, and I I actually prefer that. Love love the answer. Good stuff. I think we're gooders. <laughs> hey, thanks so much. We'll Thank send you, you a quick cut before we before we roll it. But uh, hopefully, we're going to roll it tomorrow, just because get a little hype for the auction well, and get get people excited. Well, thank you for taking the time and and do everything on such short notice it's good it's exciting you're, you know the whole thing is exciting that's what it is i'm I, I completely think so i spend so much time on my day now in this whole nft my daughter is doing a a, a thesis she's a master's uh, in anthropology student at usc film school uh, and she was an anthropologist she went to princeton and she's doing it on nfts and trying to understand like how do we think about value and uh it's interesting so my whole yeah, family I mean, I, plunged I, into that. I thought recently of like you know whenever I have these, I have all these conversations with people from from the you know the traditional art world and they just don't understand. So I had a friend over yesterday um, in his early sixties, a famous curator, came and I tried to explain in the project before he didn't listen. Then my daughter comes out. 11 12 and she was talking about some 
gems she just bought in some game and she traded that in for something else. And she was so excited about it all. And then all of a sudden my friend understood. It's like, ah, yeah. Everything I tried to explain, the, the kid wouldn't, the kids don't care about, they, they care about the values in the game. And the same, you know, you remember Fort Knox and I always, that James Bond, when he had uh, the Fort Knox and they tried to steal all the gold. And the idea, like, there is all this gold in this building. So there, that's why your dollar is worth something because we have a building full of metal. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy story, but it makes no it's sense. Insanity, yeah. No, I, I, I have been selling the Bitcoin story and I always say, this is a true story, you, true fact. You can take all the gold in the history of the world that's ever been mined and it fits in a 55 foot cube, 18, 19 meter cube, 19 by 19 by 19. And I was like, if that was a sculpture and we put it in the middle of Central Park, it wouldn't even be that big, right? It's like two times my room and it's worth $10 trillion. <laughs> That's just insanity, right? Yeah. And so value is just what we say it is. And you can instill value in my little, you know, Star Wars guy here, uh, or or gold or, or a Bitcoin or an NFT. And so that, this idea that we're changing how we think about value is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, how much is the material in a Picasso painting worth? Yeah, $7.82. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, and you're a New Yorker? I was until a year ago now. I'm out here in L.A. since a year. I don't know. Got you in L.A. Well, if, you, if go you're up for it, I might. If you're up for it, I might have my. Uh, see if you could give my daughter 15 minutes of an interview for her uh, her movie oh, sure. on yeah, NFTs. Yeah. That would no, be awesome. There are a lot of interesting questions there. I ask because it's part of what I had, what I meant earlier. Like, how do you ensure that it will stay? Yes. Like, there are actually really big questions, and and we deal for a longer time with digital archiving now, and uh, which was a really big problem. Like, how do you? Everything, we digitized everything. And how do you store that? Right. The wonderful thing is I actually fundamentally believe that some of these blockchains, the Ethereum blockchain in particular, will last forever. Uh, and so when you, there's a technical question, you're going to hack, you're going to issue an NFT and the key is going to go to the blockchain. But will the all the bytes, all the code that creates the NFT live there or live in a separate database? Will the byte, will the blockchain just give you access to that database? Well, then it's not as secure. Uh, or will it live on the blockchain? When, when it lives on the blockchain, it's the data is secured by every different node out there. The database is the same. And so if you have a thousand nodes or 10,000 nodes or 20,000 nodes, you're really guaranteed that that stuff never dies. And so, it's, this is really wonky technical stuff, but it becomes important as we put more and more value on these blockchains that we're putting them on the right blockchains and that they're distributed enough that someone just can't control them. Uh, anyway, that's that's well, probably problem, more information. Look, I mean, we looked into that. The problem I uh, you know face is if I have hundreds of terabytes of data. Yeah, right now the blockchains aren't fast enough to, to process that data. And so right now the solution is 
you get a key to the blockchain to, into your database with the hundreds of terabytes of data. In the future, these blockchains are going to be like lightning. The future being three, four, five, six years away. Yeah, uh, I mean, makes only sense. I mean, why look when you buy now a car from somebody, you have what the paperwork? It's it's crazy, you know, all the things you need. Or a house is even worse. I mean, you have a stack of paper to sign for for what? I literally, I did a, we did a a quick addendum to a contract. Uh, we guaranteed something. And they literally sent me a DocuSign in 99 pages. I was like, that's the addendum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Insanity. All right. Hey, wonderful meeting you. Uh, can't wait to see the auction on Sunday. I'll be a bidder. And we'll, okay. uh, we'll go from there. Take care. See you somewhere. You too. Bye-bye. Yep. Thank you.